Today on the pod, it's not just me and Jamie, we've got Lucy with us. Hello. In this pod, we're <laughs> going to be reviewing Battle Angel, we're going to be talking about Green Book, we're going to be talking about why Liam Neeson shouldn't be allowed in a press conference, <laughs> and uh, we've brought back a classic, Cage or Nonsense. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. You might notice the audio quality is a little bit better this week. Well, that's because we're here with the good folks at Soho Radio Productions, and I've got some special people with me today. I'm going to start with the guy to the left. You've probably heard him before. He kind of sounds like a Brian Blessed, Barry Gibb. Who's the astrophysics guy that you adore? Brian Cox. Brian Cox. If they all had a baby, it would probably look like you. How are you doing, dude? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm always thrown by your intros. I never know how to respond. They're always <laughs> so inventive. And I'm just like, hi, everyone. I've uh, never got anything good to come back with. Anyway, so people who <laughs> maybe listen to this podcast for the first time, Jamie is an astrophysicist guy. He appears on BBC Radio quite a lot to talk about, basically, if something science happens, mm-hmm. they call you and you yeah. talk to them for a bit. Is that yeah, fair? Only BBC Essex. So, <laughs> <laughs> rest of the country don't care yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> so, anyway, that leads us to our other co-host today. Yes, we have another co-host. So, uh, Lucy, she is a blogger. She is soon to be a podcaster. Her blog, Lucy Goes to Hollywood, is fucking incredible. Lucy, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. You know what I love about your blog and mm. like the community of people that you talk to is mm. that people can have a different opinion of films. And like sometimes, like I'll tweet like a film I like, and people tell me I'm a fucking dick for liking it or, or whatever. And that's it. Like that's. But with your community, it's like you know what? I have a difference of opinion, and you're like, that's cool. You can like those films, and I can like my films, and that's all great because that's the whole point of social media. I just love like the community you've built up your blog. Yeah, no, I try to surround myself with people that aren't dicks, basically. <laughs> and, then, and then if they are, I'm just like, goodbye. So it's the best way to go about it, really. That's a good way to live life, I think. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that is a good good method. Apart from, I find, I, I like muting them and then feel like they're like old men yelling at clouds, like that old <laughs> Simpsons movie. I mean, I think a classic one there is probably the Vice, isn't it? I mean, I read your, your blog and you give it I hated it, I hated it. I didn't give it a four. Yeah. Debate. Oh, no, look, oh, look. Man, uh, no, let's not, let's not go there. Dude, this, this isn't... This ain't podcast hosting fight throwdown. Um, throw shit out there, Casey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, First thing he said, we got off the train and he went, ooh. And I was like, what do you mean, ooh? And he goes, guess what she said about Vice? (laughs) (laughs) Look, okay. Yeah, I got a lot of guess what she said about Vice comments. I was like, oh. But oh, you liked, I hated you, it. You liked Val, though, didn't you? You thought, you thought his performance in it was quite... Yes. No, the it? thing is, I liked the performances. I just thought that the narrative was all over the place and it was a mess, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> and as you're probably going to tell, Lucy is far better film critic than we'll ever oh, fucking hope to be. No. Uh, we are just, uh, as you can tell, a couple of idiots of unqualified opinions. But, um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed I enjoyed performances. I totally understand where you come from, though, about how it kind of speaks down to the audience to mm. an extent. Um, I am one of those idiots it speaks down to. <laughs> So for me, I'm like, wait, awesome. But anyway, let's talk about another old man that's yelling at clouds. Let's crack on with news. Liam Neeson, he is a man with a certain set of skills. PR is not one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a hot potato, that one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they were doing a press release for his newest film. I can't remember what it's called, but they cancelled the red carpet event because yes. of comments. But now people are starting to gang up. There's a petition against uh, basically writing him out of the new Men in Black movie. And it's like, that's a bit... I mean, I... I 
like I say, we always touch upon the political hot points that talk film to me. But um, is that too far? Is it just an old man who just needs to be quiet? Or is there something more? I, I think there's an element where people don't understand what was happening in Northern Ireland at the time, yeah. I think. And I think there is a big element of that. Um, and I think the international stage won't understand the troubles, as he as they get called in Ireland. I think he everyone acknowledges what he you know what he wanted to do was wrong on so many levels hmm. and, and uh, I think was it a, a writer for the Guardian or the Independent who came out? It was and said, the Guardian, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Guardian. Yeah, he said, well, you know, this is what it's like living as a black man. Is that you know I've, I've got to fear that even you know an Oscar-winning uh, actor might want to beat me up with a cosh, you know, and, and kill me. Like, hmm. I, this, this, yeah, this one feels hot to touch, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just uh, hope that he doesn't keep talking. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's probably a good good way to to, to move on yeah. from that. Anyway, back to films. <laughs> good start, Flint. Um, so, World War Z. What's your opinion of that film, Lucy? What the original one? The yeah yeah World War yeah. Z, the one the like book it. Max Brooks. I really like it. I thought it was genuinely scary. It's got some really gory moments in it, and Brad Pitt's actually good in it as well. So. Yeah. So yeah, enjoyed. <laughs> did you know that Max Brooks, the author of World War Z, is son of Mel Brooks, like the mm. the film? That I didn't film know. Guy. Yeah, and it's, mm. um, he's actually a really talented guy. Like if the book World War Z is or Z, wherever you are in the world, uh, is I think really incredible. It's an anthology story mm-hmm. of d- diary extracts and that sort of stuff. It's sort of like post-war though, isn't it? So he's got all these different stories of these different people, isn't it? And then they kind of intersect. Yeah. Mm. I love that book. I mean, I'm. I don't get to read as often as I'd like to. No, I haven't to. read it. I, I, I highly recommend it. And mm. the film wasn't really following the book, was it? No. It was oh. like a story. I think... Same like, sort of universe. Yeah, it kind of does Easter eggs from the book. So, mm. like, it'll kind of name drop characters and, like, events. Mm. And, obviously, the narrative of there's a zombie outbreak mm. and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it doesn't really follow exactly from that perspective. And it had a fuckload of production problems. So, about halfway through, I think the director was swapped around. And, like, oh, I wow. think David Fincher came in or something or David Finch was attached to the sequel which is the news on this part is that the sequel for World War Z has been cancelled now which is kind of a shame because David Fincher was attached to it Brad Pitt was going to come back and uh, I think they probably would have ended up with with the film they actually wanted so about halfway through the film you know it kind of goes on a bit of a narrative peak and then all of a sudden it goes oh it's now in Wales Um, that was because they actually filmed an entire movie and then for whatever reason decided to go back and refilm the ending and that meant they decided to change direction completely and uh, from the point of the plane crashing mm-hmm. like that's a whole new film like, I just went and filmed oh, wow. a whole bunch of that stuff he actually stayed um, he stayed in Essex uh, Brad Pitt did while they were all filming all that sort of stuff um, only because I was getting married at the time and uh, not he didn't crash the wedding obviously but we were going to <laughs> we were going to book a, um, a venue for a guest to stay at and we couldn't because Brad Pitt like book the whole thing what for... an arsehole oh how dare you <laughs> yeah I know know who, know who you I know. are I mean come on <laughs> yeah exactly and I said I said to, to Holly I was like oh bad news uh, if we got married a week later you could have slept in Brad Pitt's bed <laughs> oh, I tell you what that has one of the best scenes I think in a film for a long time that's that bit in J- Jerusalem where they're climbing up the wall oh, that's iconic so isn't it good. and then they're throwing themselves over yeah. the top on top of the metal bit oh, I just oh and the soundtrack scene. is so good as well isn't it I think it's I have great. the soundtrack yeah somewhere it's really awesome oh, yeah just I, I'll comment that the film, yeah, like you said, it kind of makes sense now that it's two different films because they can't not seem to mesh. No. Yeah. But the first part of that film was just action-packed. Yeah. So with that in mind, I'm kind of gutted the sequel's yeah. not going to happen. Um, hopefully someone will pick it up and maybe, I don't know, you, in a world now where when products aren't necessarily getting over the line, Netflix will come in and be like, hey, yeah. failed product, product even, <laughs> um, 
we're just going to throw a bunch of money at you to get it over the line. It's like maybe it'll get revived in that world, but in the, you know, in the current essence, it's not going to there, which is kind of shitty. But, yeah. but oh, I'm, I'm just fucking host of, of bad news today, aren't I? Let's talk <laughs> yeah. about Liam Neeson and, and World War Z that's been canned. <laughs> what else can I do to bring people down? Um, Oscar nominations, not Oscar nominations, say hosting. Mm. Um, they haven't got a host this year. Like this... Got a, It's a multitude, isn't it? Is that right? Is there like lots of people hosting different awards or something? I think that's what they're doing. I think it's like the Academy is going to like appoint certain mm-hmm. people. Apparently, the the Rock came out today and said that he actually was trying to be that last minute host, but he's currently filming that Jumanji sequel, and his schedule basically isn't permitting it. So, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a shame because I think the Rock would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, I would have loved that. <laughs> Although the, the the curse of the Oscars. What would have happened to his career afterwards? Well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> what would they have dug up about him? And the thing is, like, where do you go after that? So it's either you do an amazing job and they want you to come back, or you do a terrible job and your career is, like, in the toilet for a little bit. And So what's going to happen? You keep coming back until you eventually do a bad job, or you do a bad job to begin with. Like, there's no real game for it. Are you... Do you are you when it comes to Oscars, are you that sort of person that stays up all night, watches it, or are you kind of a, I don't really care? No, I never have. Like, I care about them. I'll catch the highlights, but I just, I'm not one of these people who book a day off work and, like, sit and watch it and stuff because I just feel like, you know, as they're prestigious, but they're not, like, the be-all and end-all, right? And, you know, they've got it wrong a lot of times, and yeah. I'm not that happy about some of the nominations I mean obviously you know what I feel about Vice so I'm not I'm not happy about Vice <laughs> um, so I'm just a little bit concerned about you know some of the nominees this year and I think the, it's a train wreck the Oscars this year you know yeah. they're messing about with the host they're not presenting all the awards on TV apparently so I'm like what is the point like just stop is it not on TV? no there, there was a hashtag going around Twitter where it was um, hashtag present all 24 because they're going to present some of them off screen apparently which oh. is so dumb yeah. and like obviously like don't quote me on this but this is what's been doing the rounds yeah, yeah, on Twitter yeah. so it's just kind of you know from the from the Twitter sphere but yeah everyone's annoyed about that as well uh, so who knows what they're doing yeah. <laughs> who knows? I, I do agree with you like it is not a fair representation of how good films have been over the last 12 mm. months but also certain things just don't ethically make sense I think anything I, I love as we as I'm sure we've got a difference of opinion on, <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed Bo Rap I enjoyed uh, Rami Malek's performance in that mm. but I absolutely do not agree with Brian Singer whatsoever and the fact that the guy's still getting yeah. jobs and yeah. stuff and apparently he's going to make a truckload of money oh, out of these nominations and awards that the, the film is getting at the moment so I think just on like on a virtue of that they should not be including a lot of this stuff this is the problem with the Oscars isn't it every year there is some sort of controversy yep. whether it be you know lack of uh, you know ethnic um, um, nominations lack of women uh, lack of you know, especially women directors oh my god yeah literally uh, <laughs> well the fact that last year there were there was a, some acknowledgement that there, there needs to be more inclusive mm. and, and find better representation and um, I'm right. There's no female directors in Best no. Director Gap. No. I mean, that's why it's amazing that people like um, oh, Tessa Thompson has started doing that. Is it 4% campaign? So the idea is to challenge all actors to mm. work with a female director over the next 12 months because only 4% of directors are female. So that's what wow. kind of where the name comes yeah, from. There's so many good ones as well, like Lynn Ramsey with You, know, you Were Never Really Here was fantastic, you know, and mm. Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird, which I haven't seen, but I've ordered. I really want to say that. And it's just all these like big names, even in the, the past 12 months or so, have been wonderful. And it's like, why are you not acknowledging them? Why are you doing this? But mm. it's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, well, even when like like Paddy Jenkins, for example, right? She, she won a fucking Oscar with Monster and it took six, seven years before she got a good gig again with Wonder Woman and it's just like even Mm -hmm. when you get a hit 
<laughs> it's still it's still the opportunity is still on there so yeah it definitely feels like three steps forward and about 20 steps back yeah. uh, so so we're going to be watching it and we're going to be really happy about it we're also happy about <laughs> Liam Neeson um, trailers like trailers that dropped over the last week or so so I'm a massive Marvel guy I'm a massive nerd for this sort of stuff uh, Captain Marvel trailer I mm-hmm. you know when you hear about a film and you go mm, I'm interested but it's not for me and then you can't help but get swept up in it. Black Panther was one of them. Like I was like, oh, Black Panther, I love the concept, everything else. It's not really for me, but I, 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 fair enough, awesome, I'll go see it. But I remember the first time I sat in that stu- in that cinema, and I was fortunate enough to go to a press screening, and you could feel the good vibes, you can feel the goodwill. Everyone's there, have a smile on their face, and it was an amazing experience. And it's culturally changed the face of how we think about superhero movies and how we think about representation. It's asked a lot of good questions. And I'm feeling that vibe about Captain Marvel. The more I see, the more stuff I, I get from that. You had a chance to see a trailer yet? No. Yeah. Not yet. Oh, yeah, go, go for it. Yeah, no, I've seen it. Um, I did a cinema binge the other day where I saw four films in a row and I saw the trailer about four times, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. Um, and it was absolutely fantastic. I think Brie Larson is a fantastic actress. You know, I loved her in Room, obviously very harrowing film. Um, yeah. Very different in its tone, but I think she's just doing a good job in this. Um, got an unnecessary amount of hate for Captain Marvel as well. Like, why isn't she smiling? It's like, because she's a superhero and she's got loads of stuff to do. She's not going to smile. Like, stop. Super- yeah. It's <laughs> like, broody posters. This. That's the point of it. Look broody. Exactly. <laughs> It's like I've never seen a superhero film. Yeah. She's but only yeah. got the weight of the shoulder, you know, the weight like, of the shoulder. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, like, it's, you know, yeah, she's, she's absolutely fine. She's, yeah. yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> but no, I, I just think it's fantastic. You know, I think um, the, the scene where she punches the old lady always gets me just constantly. I'm like, because it's obviously it's a, it's a shape-shifting, like, thing. So she's on a tube and just punches somebody. And I'm like, that's hilarious, you know. And well, it shouldn't be. Now, it's great. <laughs> I would recommend. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Um, I'm re- I've got into Marvel recently. I didn't really used to be, like, a mega fan, but I'm, I'm getting there. So enjoy. <laughs> I've I'm a massive nerd for this sort of stuff. I yeah. unashamedly have seen every Marvel film on opening night. Oh, all really? 22 of them or whatever uh, my poor wife she absolutely fucking hates them but I'm, oh. like, I'm like do you want to go to cinema I'm like yeah go on then surprisingly though know, after Chris Hemsworth becoming four like all of a sudden she wants to go a lot more uh, <laughs> I don't know what that's about but, um, and she does make unaudible noises sometimes when it's the, the superhero shirt off moments as, uh, as typical happens those. but uh, well, you know everyone gets kicked out of it so since then Flynn spent uh, about five hours in the gym each day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> Not Chris Hemsworth. I'll settle for for any of them. To Bam be honest. Chuckle. <laughs> but, all right. Okay. Clearly somebody. Yeah, that's harsh. Clearly somebody who doesn't watch those films. But uh, but anyway, yeah, those tra- that trailer's looking absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And what I'm I think is absolutely astonishing is they've de-aged Samuel Jackson. They bought a, a company who works with industrial light and magic. Obviously, we can thank George Lucas for a lot of those mm-hmm. guys. Um, but uh, the fact that de-aging work they're doing it used to just be like a one-off scene or maybe just a one-off moment they've they've put it samuel jackson from early 90s in an entire chuffing movie and we know what samuel jackson looks like from that time because he was in loads of movies then so it's obviously a really high bar to compete with he looks fantastic mm-hmm. it looks like he, he has been plucked out of time which is awesome and also there's a scene with a cat which is quite funny and all over twitter oh, people yeah. have been taking that cat and like superimposing it on loads of posters and the cat's called goose as well because obviously top gun would only been out for like a few years at that point in the yeah. film oh, yeah. okay. which is awesome it, it has its own character poster goose doesn't it and everyone's like oh poster of the year love it iconic you never gonna get any better than this it's just a picture of goose and everyone's like yes <laughs> 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's just worked. Yeah, exactly. They know how to hit hit the ground on that. Yeah. And um, also, it was Super Bowl week last week, mm-hmm. which is the most expensive piece of real estate for trailers and stuff like that. And a bunch of them dropped. We had an extended Dumbo trailer. How do you feel about the, the new Dumbo trailer? How, how are we feeling? You, <laughs> not great <laughs> I think because I get really defensive when they remake Disney classics because mm. I'm like I grew up with this you know like you know I'll probably show my future children the classics as well I'm like I just don't want you to ruin it why are you doing this you know and they, they do it a lot like the new Aladdin that looks yeah. terrible sorry <laughs> it it's, just, it's just I'm just not here for that you know and I'm just uh, he looks a bit creepy Dumbo actually yeah. like in the, in the live action well live yeah. action quote unquote one I'm just like <laughs> just not a fan I've got to be honest the, the original freaked me out a little bit as a child the, True. the pink elephant oh that was creepy that was that, creepy you know, nightmares nightmares yeah. for weeks and uh, <laughs> a little bit afraid the same thing might happen again I've only just got over it so. yeah <laughs> but like even worse this time <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah no it's not really for me that one I don't think I will see it but haven't got high mm. hopes unfortunately yeah I, I agree with you know it makes me sad about these live action remakes some of them are great by the way Jungle Book I, mm-hmm. I think is absolutely fantastic but um, I agree with you Aladdin I don't hold high hopes because I, I think Guy Ritchie's great at making Guy Ritchie movies mm-hmm. probably yeah. not much else <laughs> uh, that that Arthur movie probably confirmed that um, but anyway that's probably another conversation like yeah I, Jamie is like the lover of crap films yeah. uh, which yeah. is a great great che- do- cheesy hero films like from the you know, historic ones I love those well. or if it's got Tim Allen in it you seem to love it as well he's a great actor mate that's why oh, no, let's not go down that route anyway uh, like I say Guy Ritchie I'm not particularly sold on being the director and also those pictures of Will Smith like oh. looking like a panto villain literally panto genie <laughs> And I, the only thing I kind of hold hope for is that Will Smith always does, or used to back in the day, do the soundtrack to his films. I kind of want him to do a genie soundtrack, <laughs> Willennium style, big big genie style. I think he'll be good at that. But um, anyway, back to back to Dumbo. I'm I'm kind of indifferent. I, it's kind of the remake no one's asking for. But kind of what makes you sad about all these remakes is that there's going to be a generation of kids that are going to go. Have you seen have you seen that like really crap cartoon version of Dumbo yeah. or did you know that there's actually a cartoon version of The Lion King and you're going to be like yes they're much better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, That's yeah. a good point. That's really sad actually when you think about it, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Like, a whole generation is going to have this different Disney upbringing and actually they're they're darker they're darker and edgier aren't they the, the new films whereas actually don't need the, to be. You know, Disney were like our parents. You yeah, know, we're, we're, we're yeah. a good moral fibre. <laughs> Watching <laughs> Bambi, <laughs> mum getting shot in the first 30 seconds, taught you about real life shit. <laughs> like, this is life. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, and especially like in the next five, ten years, like we're going to need escapism, right? Yeah, yeah. Not to be post dramatic uh, Brexit syndrome, but like we're going to need kids to have hope for the future. Yeah. We don't need to be dark and dingy in our Disney movies. Anyway, I think that's, I mean, yeah. Also, the big the big one was uh, Endgame. Avengers Endgame dropped um, mm-hmm. their TV spot. Uh, what I'm, I'm I'm getting this feeling that they're only showing you about five ten minutes of the film, like like the first five ten minutes, mm-hmm. and that's it. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Like how many times they've ruined trailers by sticking in the pretty much bits. yeah, mm-hmm. or like the final act has yeah. been spliced into the bit of it. They, I don't think they've done that at all. Which yeah. I mean, yeah, I I want part of me wants to go blind. Like, and just not see any of this but unfortunately not unfortunately we love doing this but <laughs> when when like you're, you're trying to cover this stuff and like really interact with it and talk to people who who know a lot more than you do about this stuff then you can't help but but know and find out what's going on but yeah I love the fact they're keeping it all yeah. all consumed yeah. um, awesome. also just one final thing on trailers uh, Pop World do you ever watch it when you were growing up no can't say never mind Buzzcocks 
Yes, I watched that. Yeah. Right, so do you remember they, uh, Stephen Armel, the, the guy yeah. who hosted it? He's going into film and his oh. trailer's just dropped for his new uh, new movie. I haven't seen the trailer because I know it's dropping today. Oh. Uh, I think they're even going to do like a title reveal at the same time. Mm. But uh, I hold really high hopes because that guy's so creative. He's done a lot of awesome stuff for Channel 4, uh, not just Pop World, uh, which, yeah, Pop World's Pop World, but he done um, a show about like his nan's house. <laughs> and it was like done in very dry wit. It's done in very dry wit. His oh, okay. type of humour thing, yeah. right? So it's like peak British humour, though, isn't it? Nan's house, ha, ah, hilarious! Like yeah. it's just the kind of humour we have. Yeah, exactly. Across the pond, it really, wouldn't. <laughs> no, People so don't yeah. Get our humor. yeah. Maybe our listen, uh, our American audience listening might be like, "Who is this guy?" And he's not particularly what funny, but like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, But part of us is like that. The Brits listen to this go, "Oh yeah, I like Buzz Cox. Oh, he's yeah. quite, he's quite good in that." Yeah, looking forward to that. Anyway, so that's the news for this week. You told me the story of the war when the ground shook and the sky burned. Of the ones that survived. Who awoke to a different world. Where the powerful prey on the weak. Battle Angel started out life as a manga, uh, a well-loved manga. Is that is it kind of like a comic book, but also a, an animated show, as well as an animated movie that's come off of that. Bunch of books have come out as a result of fame that it achieved in the early 80s. James Cameron, Jim Cameron, the guy who I think is a bit of a knob off camera, but let's face it, he can direct a good film. He acquired the rights back in 1997 and thankfully has finally brought it to the big screen. Now, unfortunately, he had other endeavours that he wanted to focus on, i.e. making a billion Avatar films, as yeah. well as... Uh, loads of other endeavours so he decided to take a production role in this and become a producer on the film instead that left Robert Rodriguez yeah. to be the director uh, from this you may know him from Dust Till Dawn he's also directed those Spy Kids Spy movies Kids. Yep. F- his first director job since Spy Kids in 2001 really? oh my god I'm dropping but... the dates at the moment mate yeah. left right and centre well, they call him the calendar. Um, so, yeah, Robert Rodriguez, I think is an interesting director. Grindhouse style, lots gore, Planet Terror. I think he directed yeah. that as well. But I think he's kind of Mr. Mark for this one. I'm going to you know, start off uh, a bit negative on this. Uh, the film graphics... Why at- change anything, mate? The whole thing started off negative. <laughs> all right, okay. All right, all right. Thanks, mate. Start to mean to go on. So, um, basically, the concept of this is it's set in the future... Uh, mankind has been pushed to the brink of extinction there's been an ongoing war between Earth and Mars and the war has concluded it is 300 years after said war and basically people are kind of cyborgs they live above or sorry they live below a city which is kind of like a utopian future and you can never hope to get there and yeah this is a lot this film is a lot of film like if you could describe it it is the most movie movie popcorn-y movie you can think of (laughs) Um, and, and as you can tell it's based on probably about 10 to 20 different books they've tried to cram into one two-hour movie. Um, the effects are absolutely astonishing, though. Let's, let's go with one thing. So the story narrative follows Alita, who is a cyborg that has been created by her father, who's played by Christopher Waltz, who is absolutely... Uh, he's very Christopher Waltz in this. He kind of does the not inglorious bastards, think more like Spectre, which isn't a good thing. Uh, basically, <laughs> think of him as like a Geppetto kind of guy. He has found some parts, and in these parts happen to contain Alita the Battle Angel. He builds her because that's what you do in the future and uh, decides to obviously there's a narrative hit Heinrich. Why is he looking after this this cyborg? Why is he doing all this sort of stuff? Actually because he's a grieving parent. You find all that out in the film. It's not a spoiler. That by the way you find out in the first sort of five, ten minutes which is a lot to go through already but um, basically as I said before the effects are absolutely astonishing. Jim Cameron decided to 
use a lot of the stuff that he's building towards with uh, his new Avatar movies. He's decided to test a lot of that in this film. In fact, the main cast in this, aka Alita, she's mainly CGI, also played by a human person, though. Uh, Rosa Salar, who actually does a voice in Big Mouth. Oh, oh right, yeah. No, no one dropped today, actually, didn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, 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 new episode. Anyway, one thing at a time, Flynn. Um, (laughs) So she plays uh, Alita in this. Now, this caused a lot of controversy because she's a Latina actress, absolutely fantastic actress, and they decided to make her eyes huge. Mm. Because in the to that's be the, like a manga, manga star, thing, yeah. But a lot of people are like, why did you do that? Like, there was there mm. was anything to gain? That being said, she does look pretty fucking good with big eyes and that in the environment of yeah, the, of the film. That part of the manga thing with the big eyes is to show emotion, isn't it? So did that come across in the film? Very or? expressive. Uh, lots of times uh, she is. Uh, not speaking she's you know, using emoting for other ways so from that perspective yes I kind of get the backlash they've made the eyes like if you watch the first trailer from like two years ago and look at the latest trailer they have substantially changed her appearance oh. to in, to reflect some of that feedback um, Jennifer Connelly is also in this she plays a kind of scientist slash good bad character uh, I'm going to butcher his name now but I absolutely love this guy uh, Mashallah Ali he was in well Obviously, you think about um, what was the controversy the Oscar one, La La Land, but the other one that they oh, so La La Land was in the envelope, but they didn't win it. Yeah, what was the other film? film? Oh, Moonlight. Moonlight. Yes, Moonlight. He was in Moonlight. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thank you. He was in Moonlight. He was also he's done a bit of TV work as well. He's in True Detective, new season three at the moment. Uh, Cottonmouth in Luke Cage as well. Absolutely incredible. And uh, yeah, they're the main. That's the main billing, really. Look, this film starts off amazingly. Gets quite poor. There is a typical 80s movie trope of Alita is starting to become a girl of a certain age and she meets a guy. And guess what? The guy's good looking and he is there for her. No, she's there for him, of course. The narrative goes in a terrible direction from that perspective. (laughs) It's played by a gentleman called Kieran Johnson. He plays Hugo, who is the love interest. He is terrible. Like, he is actually a plank of wood. He is the worst, like, thing about this film. Like, he... The script is pretty bad, like from that perspective. But when you're trying to adapt material like manga or comic books into film form and you maybe take specific dialogue, maybe that doesn't translate to the silver screen. I don't know. I'm not I haven't watched the original manga, so maybe they've just paid homage to it and kept the script as close as they can. Anyway, the script did not do him any favours, but his acting's really not that good. And he's got so much line he gets so much screen time in this where it's like, surely Robert Rodriguez must be sitting there going maybe we can just put more CGI on him maybe that'll make it better yeah. <laughs> maybe music. maybe loads of, loads of shit going on in the background that fireworks, might help fireworks fire oh, explosions no. distract from it <laughs> so I can't really defend it too much to be honest it's spectacle wise it's absolutely breathtaking watch it in 3D I'm not a big fan of 3D but this is this is it's the future but it actually is the future of what we will be seeing in the Avatar oh. films and it is from that perspective it's going to blow all our minds and like I say the effects on Rosa's character Alita looks incredible but it tries to be too much film uh, Mashallah Ali, he barely has any lines in it. When he does have lines, he fucking chews the scenes. He is really good. He's an amazing actor, but he's not, it's just not there. No. Um, and I think that's down to the story, partly how it's been adapted, and definitely down to the script. That's a real shame. Do, do you know, I've got a good fact for this one. I always like to drop a good fact, don't I? <laughs> um, the actual comic book. Oh, you said fact. Good. <laughs> <laughs> the original uh, manga series was called Battle Angel. At Battle Angel Alita, but this film is called Alita Colon Battle Angel, and apparently that's because James Cameron's films always have to start with a T or an A. Think about it. Really, really. Avatar. True, true lies. 
Titanic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about it. Think about it. That's the only two I could remember off the top of my head. But apparently that is, I don't know if that's coincidence, Whoa. if it's an actual thing. Although I'm sure someone in, 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 in real life is now going to throw something out there where there's a <laughs> film which doesn't start with a T or an A. Yeah. But uh, apparently that's why he changed the title of the, of the film around. That's crazy. I, I think Flint is now mad. I'm actually going. Googling right now. Oh, is, you've is blown my... Uh, no, okay. Uh, oh, that was, that was, uh, a, that was a TV series. There's slightly exceptions to the rule, but generally... Yeah, yeah. you're right. Wow. Uh, that's crazy. Jim Cameron, you have got OCD, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, you need to get <laughs> help. So you got away with that one, didn't you, James? Did you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So look, if, I had to, if I had to wrap this up quickly, I'd say that this film is, if you want spectacle, go for it. If you are a fan of the, the TV show or the films or the comics that have come from this... I don't know if you're going to be disappointed because I haven't seen the original source material. What I will say is that they have crammed too much film into this. And you know when a film tries to set up sequels? So it's basically like we are dropping the sequel concept right now. (laughs) And we are going to just keep saying, I'll get you next time because there's going to be a sequel. And it's just like, oh, yeah. And apparently it's coming out a pretty big flop at the moment. Um, It's not doing so well in box office right now. The budget was probably about 250. Mm -hmm. It's probably made about 170 globally right now. So it probably will make its money back, but it's not going to be the billion dollar hit that they probably need it to be considering how much time has gone into this property. Since 1997, this has been in development. Um, Has he overthought it? I I don't... I I think it's just too much. Like, apparently it's the first five books in one film. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why do that? I don't understand. So yeah, if you read the books, that's that's kind of what the narrative you're going to get mm. from that. Um, great effects. So with the effects, it kind of makes it three out of five. But because of that guy playing Hugo, like that, it's probably two out of five. That's wow. that's it. <sighs> and I liked Vice. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the deep south. Green Book has got Oscar written all over it, from my opinion, from what I've seen from the trailers. It's obviously doing the rounds on the award circuits at the moment. Uh, Viggo Mortensen, as well as Mashallah Ali, I think I pronounced that properly. Uh, it looks absolutely fantastic. Haven't seen it yet, but Lucy, you have. I have, yes. Um, so I'll give you a quick synopsis like for those who don't know, who've been living under a rock, you don't know what Greenbrook is. Essentially, it's about a working-class Italian-American bouncer who then becomes the driver of an African-American class- classical pianist on his tour through the 1960s American South. So as you can imagine, that was the height of racial segregation. So that's basically the, the premise of this film. Um, so the... The two of them, they're absolutely fantastic together just straight off the bat. Like, Mortensen and Ali are just absolutely wonderful. You know, it's kind of like an unlikely duo. Um, at first, Mortensen's character, who's called Tony the Lip, <laughs> you know, so he's a bouncer, he's rough. Tony the Lip, he is horrified at the idea of driving around a black guy because it just wasn't, you know, done back then. It wasn't really seen. And Ali is very much, he plays a guy called Dr. Don Shirley and he um, he literally just, you know, wants him for a functional reason. It's like, okay, I want you to drive me around. I want to do my tour. And that's basically where our um, business relationship ends, essentially. Get me from A to B, I'll pay you and that's it. So, you know, at first their relationship's very cold. It's very, okay, you help me out, I'll help you out, whatever. And then, it, you know, as you can imagine, it's quite predictable in the sense that, yes, they become closer. They start to understand each other a bit more and they start to embrace each other's cultures from Italian American to African-American, so obviously very different um, sides of the coin. Um, it's just it's wonderfully shot. It's very beautiful to look at. Um, all of the scenes in which um, Don is playing the piano are just absolutely gorgeous. Just it's a it's just, it's a wonderful uplifting film in the sense that you know you're following this guy around his 
touring the deep south where he's playing for people but like you know they kind of don't like him and they just want him for his music and he, he gets a lot of like racial prejudice and you know he has to use like a different bathroom and he can't go here and the name Green Book I didn't know this actually it was actually a, an, a thumbs up like okay guide for um, African Americans to travel around the US safely oh, wow. for, oh, okay. so the Green Book refers to you can stay in this hotel you can eat here with, without being lynched essentially so it is it's pretty horrifying when you think about it you're like oh my god like and obviously you know I didn't do a lot of American history in school so I didn't know about this so this was fascinating for me to to see on screen um it's just it's just wonderful and I know a lot of people are kind of thinking oh well Mortensen just played the you know white savior character but I I disagree I think it's more than that I think it's about you know, slowly breaking down barriers and slowly learning that we're exactly the same underneath and, and that's all that matters. You know, um, I wouldn't call it a racist film at all, but some people think that it is, unfortunately. <laughs> right. That's kind of what's come about um, and they've kind of seen it as dismissive towards um, Ali's character, but I disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, this looks awesome. I love it the trailers. Really good. It's really uplifting yeah. There's so of much stuff. I can say about it, I'll try and be brief. <laughs> <laughs> what did you... Uh, uh, what about Mortensen's accent, though? A lot of people have made a bit about this. Is it is it, oh, is it funny or is it just people pointing fun for no reason? I think it is funny, but his character is supposed to be quite dumb, to be honest. So, like, he's quite, quote-unquote, uneducated. You know, he's, a, he's a, a bouncer. He beats people up for a living. He hasn't really got the credentials that Ollie's character has. So it's kind of almost a, a caricature of Italian-Americans. So, <laughs> hey, I'm Tony! No, exactly. It's, like, exactly what you would imagine, like, you know, that kind of stereotype type to be but um, I didn't notice because of the quality of the film personally um, I can understand if you know you are an Italian American or you know people that are you might find it quite stupid and quite mm. like you know oh this is ridiculous but it's it's scoring incredibly high and mm. it's been you know nominated for a lot of awards so you know credit to it I would I would 100% recommend it is that is that the the element of the film that people think is a little bit racist, or is it actually the portrayal of of, of you know the black character? Or is it you know it's both, and I think um, you know some people from certain groups are kind of criticising the way that it was portrayed and the way that their dynamic was. You know, like oh, you've made him look stupid, and you've made him like look like he's just being saved by a white guy. So. I get it, right. but it's, you know, life isn't that simple. You know, life isn't, you know, completely linear and completely fine. You know, that you're going to encounter these issues. Not everybody's educated. Not everybody's going to be respected. And I think this film isn't afraid to show that. And that's what I really respect about it. Yeah. I like a film that isn't afraid to go, look, life isn't sunshine and daisies. It's not like, you know, through rose-coloured glasses, this is what happened. Like, this is the truth about what happened. Mm. People but, are ignorant of that, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. There are, but apparently a lot of the screenplays based on Viggo Mortensen's character at he held a diary in real life. Apparently, it's based on a true friendship. Like this mm -hmm. actually did happen. Yeah, it did. And it is based on. And correct me if I'm wrong on this. That mm -hmm. it was um, Viggo Mortensen's character in real life had a diary, and they used a lot of that diary. Now they don't know how much is true from that diary wow. so there might have been a lot of things dramatized from it but the actual events as they happen in terms of we went to these places and the big things that happen in that film yeah uh, did definitely happen mm. and mm -hmm. yeah i think it's something about great storytelling there seems to be some really nice narrative points in there of yeah. telling the story in a you know respectful way um viggo mortensen who's like who's the mvp in this film 
because it looks like Ali's not getting the attention he deserves from what I've seen in the posters yeah, and stuff. Yeah, Ali is, really shines in this role, uh, in, in his particular role. I think both of them together are, are fantastic, but I feel like, he, I don't want to give any spoilers of anything, but I feel like he has some very emotionally charged scenes and some, you know, things where you can tell how he's feeling without him even using words, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's very yeah, much, yeah. It's, he's so expressive and he's just so wonderful in what he does. I do think that he should be given more recognition personally mm. because, you know, it's centred around his character and the struggles that he faced and the racial segregation. And it was just um, Viggo Mortensen's character that sort of helped him out of that and helped him to sort of, you know, become more accepted in, in, in his in his circle, certainly. Not not the, the Deep South, of course, but in, in, his, <laughs> in his circle. Um, yeah, it's... I do agree that Ollie's been snubbed in the sense that he should have been, like, lead actor, like, best lead actor. Right. And not the other guy, you know, it, yeah. it, it's a difficult one. I think they were both wonderful, but he is the, the star for me. He really stood out, out of the two of them. Um, it, it's a difficult one. Nice. Well, what we, yeah. we the, uh, the most difficult thing, because yeah. like you say, it's won tons of scores and lots of yeah. plaudits, but obviously the talk film we score is the most important one, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, out of five, where does it sit for you? Uh, five being incredible, one being a Michael Bay Transformers <laughs> movie. Yeah. No, I'd say four out of five. It's solid. Oh, it's very solid. Yeah, I, I personally really enjoyed it. I th- is it still in, I think it's got like a week left or a couple of weeks. Actually, no, it's Oscar nominated, so it means it'll do a run for mm-hmm. a few weeks. Yeah, and a lot of the small independent um, cinemas are showing it for yeah, a long, like the mm-hmm. Curzons and stuff. Nice, well, there you have it. Four out of five, Green Book. Anyone can sound like Beethoven. With your music, what you do, only you can do that. What do we do about the bone? Right, so guys, it's been a minute since we've played one of these games. And I asked Lucy, look, we play games with people. It's kind of fun. And I gave her the list of the, the smorgasbord of awesome talk films to me stuff. And she went with cage or nonsense. I'm like a prickly pear. That's right. That is right. Get the fuck out of my way. Hi, I need to read this. I don't have a prescription. I'd like to take his, his face. You're like a cat. Oh, and uh, throw in a couple martinis while you're at it. All you have to do. Basically, Nicolas Cage, crazy SOB, has starred in over 98 movies, 98 films over his illustrious career. Some of them are absolute classics. Some of them are Nicolas Cage movies. Um, I have a list here of synopsises from movies taken from IMDb or My Imagination. Basically, I will read you a synopsis from a film and you have to decide whether it's genuine Nicolas Cage or absolute nonsense. I'm going to go with Jamie first because he's played mm-hmm. this before, Lucy. You get a vibe for okay. it. And then, See, and I think Lucy's got me. an advantage here because she's a very good writer. No. So she'll be able to tell whether or not you've written it. I have you know. We'll we'll see about that. I have you know that on the readability test, I got pass. (laughs) So, question one. Film one. Simon Mendelssohn is a a disgraced formal scientist who has visions of how the world will end. Upon what is suspected a meteorite shower, Simon must convince world leaders to prepare for war with a force that mankind has never faced before. Oh, until the bit that you said world leaders, I thought that's definitely a Cage film. Because uh, I thought it was that one with the... Mm, no, I'm going to say nonsense. What's that one where it's like no stuff and he's no, knowing? No, it's I'm called gonna, knowing. No, I'm, it's, it's not that one because he doesn't talk to world leaders, does he? I don't, I don't know, Jamie. No, Do you I'm think it's say, Cage or nonsense? Uh, I'm going to say nonsense. You are correct. It's nonsense. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Lucy. Okay. After an encounter with a neckbiter, a publishing <gasps> executive thinks that he is turning into a vampire. I've seen this. It's Cage. It's Cage, you're correct. It's Vampire's Kiss. It's Vampire's Kiss, 1988. I've seen this. It's so bad. Straight off the bat. Okay, so one all at the moment. This is looking good. Okay, so so question two. 
Okay, Jamie, this is for you. After a personal visit by God himself, eccentric construction worker Gary Faulkner takes the decision to embark on an adventure to the badlands of Pakistan. Why? To bring Al-Qaeda's leader, Osama Bin Laden, to justice. <laughs> I, I want to say, I want to say that is a cage rule because I want to see it now. That, yeah, it is. It's is a genuine it? Nicholas Cage movie. <laughs> yes. it's, As if. <laughs> it's called Army of One 2016. That sounds amazing. I, that's on the list. We're watching it. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Lucy, you're one. Mm-hmm. Um, after being pampered his entire life, Charles Chickett, a.k.a. Chicky, loses his entire family fortune on the eve of his 30th birthday due to a series of poor investments. Chicky must now get a job, find a flat, and live the normal life without the silver spoon in his mouth. Oh, that's a hard one. Oh, it sounds like a bit of a classic. Film. I think nonsense. You are correct. That yes! is nonsense. Oh, well uh, she's, you're, oh. you're spotting my bullshit. Okay, so that's that's the writer in you. Um, okay, so question three. Ah, uh, you're going to get this one. A retired mastered car thief must get back into the industry and steal fifty cars with a crew in one night to save his brother's life. Ah, that's cage, isn't it? Yeah, gone in for 60 seconds, yeah. 2000. <laughs> okay, Lucy. A police officer promises to share his lottery ticket with a waitress in lieu of his tip. The tip of his bill, just to be clear of that. <laughs> what? Uh, cage? That is a genuine Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, it could happen to you. That was a short one as well. Was, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just guessed. <laughs> see, see, like, I don't know at what year, but at some point, synopsis went from being one sentence to being a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And like early 90s, late 80s was a sentence. That's and then hard, all of a sudden, it? it's a paragraph. I know. <laughs> wow. Okay. What film nerds are we to... to uh, okay, all right. This is more about his writing style than it does. <laughs> we'll find out in the next oh. one, eh? Okay. So it's nonsense then, no? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, great. So question four. In medieval Britain, a lonely staple boy named Cassius must assume law and authority over his village after all the men have been selected to fight in the Crusades. When the Crusades are over and the men return, it's clear that these aren't the people they used to be. Cassius must, as a fully grown man, now defend his village against these people against the men he once called the Crusaders. Oh. It starts off as a boy. I want to say it sounds like a great film. And if it is Flint and you've come up with it, then you're a genius. Uh, Cage. Nonsense. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you should make that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I know. I'd watch it. Get, well, Actually, maybe it's not a good film if I'd watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lucy. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell, it's a hard one. Okay. The enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered when a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchmen propel a man into a spiling, surreal rampage of vengeance. Jesus. Okay, well, based off the fact that Cage loves his vengeance, I'm going to say Cage. Is it, it Ghost is, Rider? It's, no, it's Mandy. Oh, it's Mandy. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, actually. Like, oh. genuine, like, peak Cage all of a sudden. Oh, is that the synopsis? I haven't actually seen Mandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's insane. It's insane. The press screens were fucking insane. They I booked bet. out a church, and, like, <laughs> in the church, while you're watching it, they get people who are supposedly in this cult pretending to fight around you. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, question five. Back to Back to Jamie. Jack loses $65,000 in a poker game in Las Vegas. He's marrying Betsy. The wedding will have to wait, as part of the poker bet is that he has to allow this poker player to sleep with his wife that night. Cage is classier than that nonsense. No, genuine cage. No, cage. 
Kia, how could you? Oh, I've got the idea. Oh, he's let me down. Honeymoon in Vegas, 1992. Oh, I want to watch that. So, oh essentially, Lucy, if you get this, you've won. Woohoo! Okay, so, so for the win. Uh, after a 10-year vow of silence, former FBI agent Chase Jackson must return to his home to confront a mafia crime family who have his daughter, of whom he has never met. Oh, God. Yeah, cage. It's nonsense. Oh, oh, damn. Oh, damn. damn. <laughs> right, so we no. need a tiebreaker. Oh, we need a no. Nicolas Cage tiebreaker. To be fair, both of you definitely know your cage from your nonsense. Yeah. But, um, okay, so... As mentioned before, Nicolas Cage has been prolific. He started in 98 movies, to be in fact. But I want to know, in what year was he most prolific? Ooh, First answer, and you only get one answer. 96, because I think that's Conair. Lucy? 98. I'm going to go with who was closest, and it was Lucy. He was most prolific in 2011, with no less than five movies in a single year. Whoa. Lucy, you know your cage from your nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Delighted. (laughs) Oh, and uh, throw in a couple martinis while you're at it. All you have to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe, follow, whatever button it is that you get more content from Talk Filming to Me. I want to thank Jamie. How can people find you? On Twitter, at Mr. Hannon in Space. Hannon in Space. Anyway, more importantly, sorry, sir. Lucy, thank you so much for your time. How can people find you? Uh, You can find me at at LGTHblog on Twitter. Amazing. And am I right in thinking you're going to have a podcast coming out really soon? I am. Yeah, I'm recording my first episode tomorrow. <laughs> so it should be out by the end of the month, hopefully. Amazing. <laughs> we'll tweet excited. it and, and share it on our stuff Thank as you. well. Anyway, till next time, stay filmy. Goodbye. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door and baby. Talk filmy to me.